Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. The Bay Area is home to a large video games industry. Electronic Arts, for example, was founded in Redwood City in the early 1980s before growing into one of the giants of the industry. There's many more, too. But does everyone in the Bay feel able to access careers in the field? Several years ago, Damon Packwood founded Game Heads in Oakland to help college students develop the skills and expertise to land jobs in gaming. We'll talk with Packwood and David Brancaccio, host of the Marketplace Morning Report, which launched a series featuring game heads called Skin in the Game, which explores all kinds of issues through the lens of video games. That's all coming up next, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This morning, we're talking about opportunities in the video game industry. Our friends at Marketplace Morning Report have a new series, Skin in the Game, that features game heads, an Oakland-based program for college students to develop the skills they need to work making video games. Participants have built games that reflect their own interests and experiences, including one on Oakland sideshows and another about being a cashier in a gentrifying neighborhood. And of course, we'll hear from you all, too, about your experiences in and around the game industry here in the Bay. Joining us this morning, we've got Damon Packwood, the founder and executive director of Game Heads. Welcome. Hello. And we have David Brancaccio, host of the Marketplace Morning Report. You've heard him many times on your radio, I'm sure. Thanks for joining us, David. Yeah, glad to be in San Francisco. Damon, how did the video game sort of development industry and its sort of problems, particularly with diversity, get on your radar? Oh man, I um, I was working in the gaming press for a while, and I remember uh, going to uh, an event in the Mission District of all places for a game about Mexican culture. I think it was Shadow of the Damned or something like that. And I was shocked at how the lack of diversity in those spaces, especially considering the fact that everybody that I knew growing up play video games. So everybody from my neighborhood and my cousins and my brothers and my sisters. So when I started getting into the industry just as a, a journalist or as a fly on the wall, um, I noticed the lack of diversity, which, you know, was a, a big deal in the in the Bay Area at the time. But I didn't think it was a bad thing. I thought it was an opportunity. Hmm. An opportunity just because you felt like the problem was kids hadn't really seen their way into what was called the pipeline of talent for the industry. Yeah, I mean, and in both sides, I'm like, one, you know, gaming has been around for about 40 years. You guys are running out of ideas. 
And, you know, we were in the mission. It's like there's people in this neighborhood right here that have ideas that could probably, you know, reinvigorate the industry. So I, I looked at it on, on both sides, you know, and it was a lot of people complaining about their jobs. I was like, do you have any idea how many people that live up the block that would love to have your job? I mean, this is crazy. So um, I, I thought of it was a, it was advantageous for, for both sides. Interesting. I mean, we can dive into it more later, but I mean, the games industry is a notoriously difficult place to work. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, half of the games press now is about how difficult it is to actually work for video game developers, you know, long hours, dead, rushing towards deadlines. Um, how do you think about preparing people in the program for an industry that you know is going to be like that? Yeah, I always say you need, you need to prepare. You need to rebuild the industry from the ground up. And you, you can't do that by going to the industry and saying, you guys need to change. So what we did is we designed our program so that, you know, I always tell people we're just a really bad tech company, as in <laughs> we bring in students that... But what is it really, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we bring in students that are not qualified and then we make them qualified is what I mean. But if you come into our space, it looks like a tech company. It doesn't look like a youth program. So the idea is that we want to teach our students that these are the expectations that you should have in the workplace. And you want to bring those expectations to these jobs. So we want to we want to rebuild the expectations from the ground up by training the students, not just in the industry, but also in the academic programs, because I think it starts in the academic programs. I don't think it starts in the industry. And Dave Brancaccio here. Damon, you made it pretty clear to me when we were talking that you're not like a, a factory to churn out coders for mm -hmm. jobs that may not be all that edifying. Yeah, absolutely. Like I always tell people, we don't we don't work for the corporate businesses. We're partner with them. Mm -hmm. Our primary stakeholders are the students and we want them to be happy. So the question is, well, what makes you guys happy? Right. And they come and they tell us and then we design the program around it. So one of those things that makes them happy is that they want to have, you know, some of them at least want to have a career building video games. But, you know, this is the this is a new generation. You know, I'm, I'm Gen X. They're very different. <laughs> they have very different ideas of what, you know, employment looks like, what their lives look like. <laughs> and so, you know, they're our primary stakeholders. So we design that around them. Yeah. David Brancaccio, how did uh, Gamehead get up on your radar? Well, in two different ways. Um, one of them is Nick Brancaccio, my offspring, <laughs> born in San Francisco when I used to work at uh, KQED. Hey. Um, he is a video game developer. He went to art school back east. And people said, what are you going to do with that degree? And um, he's living the life out here. Hypothetically, somebody's <laughs> dad said to him. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so during pandemic, he said, look, I'm working with this group uh, in the East Bay and they have a showcase. But because it's pandemic, it's going to be, uh, you know, you can uh, you can stream it. And so in the East Coast, we watched and I was blown away by the games that the young developers had um, had created. Um, I don't know exactly what I expected, <laughs> but, um, but what I saw were games that touched on themes that were very close to the live realities of the game developers, stuff like depression, mm -hmm. anxiety, uh, how the wider culture uh, appropriates, takes away, borrows from without asking your culture and your identity, stuff like that. 
And my spouse and I um, were at the edge of our seats watching these things. So then, you know, time passed. Um, Nick, by the way, was a was a is I guess a mentor at Gameheads. My son, mm-hmm. so kept in uh, tabs on on Gameheads work. But then we were thinking about this is a conversation that we all have in public media these days, which was we are very good, right, uh, um, Alexis, in communicating with the people who know we're here already. <laughs> <laughs> we are the best in the business at serving, uh, you know, if you uh, grown up public policy issues and culture. We 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 connect. But there's a lot of people, I hate to tell you, right? This maybe never has happened to you, Alexis, but it's happened to me. There are plenty of people who never heard of us. Sure. Mm-hmm. They, they just, you know. Uh, the joke is that you grow up to be a public media consumer if your parents have forced you to listen when you're strapped <laughs> into a car seat, right? But Definitely it, not what happened to me. Oh, is that what happened to you? <laughs> no, that's definitely what happened to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, uh, yeah I actually have a, a reporter on my staff now who listened to me in a car seat at first, and that <laughs> suggested to me I'm getting closer to retirement age. However, we want to talk talk to as many people as possible. And it is uh, uh, really one of our central um, uh, themes right now. The stuff we talk about the most is how do we reach different people? So there is this massive industry that really is epicentered here in Northern California, video games. You know, there's various estimates about how big it is. But the one we've been using that's authoritative, $300 billion a year industry. And you talk to a lot of people, and they're like, no, what? I, I knew movies were big. Or people will say, I knew uh, music used to be big uh, <laughs> before it was given away free. But this dwarfs both industries combined. But how do you um, – and so you can explore all the marketplace issues through video games, economics, savings, career development. And, and so that's what the more general skin in the game series that we've started um, tries to do. Yeah. You know, uh, big games have economists who are employed by these companies to manage the virtual environments. But we really wanted to start with how do you crack in? And then I remembered <laughs> Game Heads. And Damon was a wonderful, uh, ver- very uh, generous in allowing us to – uh, live with those guys for about oh, a number of fun. days. Uh, got to hang out with the staff, but also met all these wonderful people, both coming into the program, in the program now, teaching the program, mentoring, but also the alums were fascinating, some of which got the job of everyone's dreams. Um, some, and we can talk about this a little bit more later, some are living the real world of tech, which has its ups and downs. And that's part of the among the lessons I saw Damon's team was teaching. Yeah. We're talking about opportunities in the video game industry with David Brancaccio, host and senior editor of the Marketplace Morning Report, and Damon Packwood, founder and executive director of GameHeads, which is an Oakland-based video game training program for young people. I want to hear from you. Do you work in this video game industry in the Bay Area. How's your company doing on diversity? How's your company doing in general? Give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Email forum at kqed.org. You can find us on all the different social media things as well as Discord. Uh, We're KQED Forum. If you don't know how to get on the Discord, you can go to kqed.org slash forum and 
find the instructions there. Damon, um, you know, David was mentioning some of the games that uh, the, the students have put together. Could you give us a, a couple that have really stuck with you from over the years? Yeah, I mean, there's been a ton of them. Uh, you know, the, I guess the, the, the idea is that you, you'd think that these students would be making shooters and things like that when they have the opportunity, but they really don't. Uh, but David touched on a couple of them. You know, one was um, addressing uh, the gentrification of East Oakland from the eyes of a cashier, which I mm-hmm. thought was really witty. Uh, another one was... How do you even do that? Like, when we say that, what does it look like? On you know, You're playing the role of the cashier? Yeah, yeah. It's just how the the customers change uh, with the gentrification of the neighborhood and how the the store owner has to change the the store, as in the music changes, hmm. uh, the amount of time you spend talking to a customer changes, uh, whether you take EBT or Apple Pay or, or uh, you know, write a check, those change. And then as a cashier, you have to figure out you know, how do you manage your customers, right? So in the beginning, you'll have somebody who's, who's you know, counting pennies, you know, and you have to, like, re- be really patient and empathy- empathetic to them. But then later on, once the neighborhood starts changing and people want to hurry up and get in and get out with Apple Pay, do you tell the person that wants to pay in pennies that they have to come back later? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you treat that person later on in the game versus the way you tra- treated them in the beginning of the game. Very, very witty idea. And to was, David's point also, um, you know, the game was conceptualized by someone who was working as a cashier in a gentrifying neighborhood while they were working on it. So a lot of the, you know, verisimilitude of those kinds of interactions were, were just like present right there. Mm-hmm. We are talking about opportunities in the video game industry with Damon Packwood, the founder and executive director of GameHeads, an Oakland-based video game training program for young people, and David Brancaccio, who's working on a series about video games called Skin in the Game. Of course, he's host and senior editor of the Marketplace Morning Report. We want to hear from you. Do you work in the games industry? Give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. Forum at kqed.org. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about opportunities in the video game industry with Damon Packwood, founder and executive director of Game Heads, an Oakland-based video game training program, and David Brancaccio, host and senior editor of the Marketplace Morning Report. 
You know, Damon, I wanted to ask you, now that you have a few years under your belt running this program, I mean, what kind of progress do you think you've been able to make? Oh, man. Um, I mean, that I get progress rise. I guess I can say what I'm the most proud of is, one, the, the we've contributed to that conversation around diversity um, in the tech and video game industry. Um, we've able to expand. We now have students in 17 different states. I was just in Hawaii, actually, and they actually heard Skin in the Game. So I had people from West Oahu who were like, yo, we heard Skin in the Game. We heard you guys on the radio. I was like, really? I, I got to tell David that. That's great. It's <laughs> so, wonderful. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the big thing is, is you know, seeing our students enter into these STEM programs in college and, and transition into the video game industry. I mean, I have a student working for George Lucas's company right now, for God's sakes. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty cool, right? David, um, how... What about game heads has surprised you relative to, you know, I'm sure in reporting on different, you know, youth training programs over the years, you've seen a lot of different things. So what's uh, surprising about game head itself? I was really struck by this, um, that uh, I guess my expectation was this would be training for how to make video games. It sure is. But it's really training in how to learn how to be a person and how to be um, a person who has the skills to be a professional. And it starts from the moment they walk in the door. We happened to be there when uh, an incoming cohort was being welcomed. And uh, they start by talking about deep issues, profound issues. You know, what do you think the world's going to look like in 100 years? <laughs> uh, that kind of group-led discussion. And I, I, I noticed right away, oh, this is about how you have um, a nurturing conversation uh, among a group of people so that everyone feels heard. So those skills. Hmm. And uh, it's, uh, there was this one student, um, I'll, maybe I'll be able to come up with his name. It'll come to me in just a second. He, um, he, I said, what do you want to do? You know, he's been, has had a, a multi-year association with game heads, and I think he graduated from student to mentor. His first name is Rogelio, and his mm -hmm. last name is Lara. It just came yep. to me. And, uh, you know, what do you want to do? He goes, he wants to teach. And I go, what do you want to do? <laughs> what, 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 teach what? Well, possibly video games. But his major point was he thinks that the model of education, public school education, uh, is broken and <laughs> doesn't speak – to a person like him, and that the game heads model was inspiring to him about exploring mm -hmm. other ways that you uh, engage people uh, so they can, you know, acquire these skills. So I think what that was the I went for a video yeah. game story and I came back with an education huh. story. That was one <laughs> of the so eye opening things. Damon, how did you develop the curriculum? Is it because you were thinking about games that you developed things along a particular pathway, or like where, where did the curriculum develop and come in? No, I mean. It, I mean, don't get me wrong, games is cool and all, but I remember, I, you know, I'm a former Upward Bound student, former Upward Bound staff. I was over at Juma Ventures as well. And I started noticing when my students came back to the Bay Area, they couldn't get jobs. So I, I at some point I had to admit to myself that I wasn't doing a good job of training them. And once I started to learn more about the tech industry, I was like, wow, the way that we educate is going to have to change. Like, it's very antiquated. And so I had been trying to ask myself for years, what's the best way to educate students? And, you know, I had all of these, like, theories, but I didn't have the practice. And it wasn't until 
I started to really dig deeper into video games where I was like, wait a minute, a video game kind of encompasses all of these different forms of media that we're that we're very knowledgeable of. Um, and and it's you know, video games are basically systems. So you can you can really break a video game down and teach students um, these very powerful skills. And, you know, we know this in the Bay Area. The tech industry is expanding so quickly that we don't really know what the world's going to look like in about 50 years. So how do you train people now so that they're prepared for 50 years? So we started to focus on, you know, what we call the deeper learning pyramid, which is communication, collaboration, problem solving, having an academic mindset, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the best way to sort of tackle those issues is using video games because, you know, that's what makes it fun because, you know, like like David says, you can't you can't sell students on a program that teaches you the deeper learning pyramid. So how do you uh, sort of like trick them into learning and video games is like an easy way to do that. Alexis, well, an interesting thing, I saw some um, uh, in preparation for a future story. Some data that an industry publication had put together in which they surveyed game companies about the pipeline of talent. Mm-hmm. And they were talking to them about people who have college degrees in game development, mm-hmm. okay? And guess what? They're not getting the right people with the right skills. Maybe they're getting the right people, but they don't have the right skills. What could that mean? I mean, they already have their mm-hmm. college degree in this. The company said that too many of the students still lack soft skills. Mm -hmm. What they need in addition to some of this, for instance, among the soft skills, emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And and they're like, if they could add that, you know, we we could hire more of these people. I'm thinking of game heads in Mm -hmm. which that's Damon's crew spends a lot of time on that stuff. Yeah. Let's bring in one of the students. We've got Camila Garcia Frausto. She's a student with Game Head. She's also a fourth year student in film studies major at UC Berkeley. Welcome, Camila. Hi. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I'm on campus right now. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, at school is in session, I suppose. Um, talk to me a little bit about being a student at Gameheads. What's it been like for you? Um, I joined my senior year of high school, and it's always been like kind of like a controlled chaos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, did you know you wanted to make video games? Is that what drew you to the program? No, actually, I've always been like an art kid. And my friend was like, uh, my friend recruited me from high school. And he's like, oh, you like to draw and do animation. So I joined purely for the sake of like, just being able to have like a creative outlet. Wow. And were you able to find that creative outlet? Like, were you able to do a lot of animation? No, yeah, yeah. Like I was, I'm uh, within the teams that I've worked on, I've done like mostly character animation or like environmental art. Uh, Yeah. And, like, what have you made? Like, what kind of games have come out of it? Uh, I've worked on, uh, most recently, I just, my team and I, we worked on this project called Camino, which is a 2D, like, Afro-surrealist side, uh, side-scroller platformer. And uh, it's, uh, on this project, I was one of the two artists on the team, and I had a lot of fun, and it was very interesting kind of uh, getting to learn about a culture that isn't my own, but uh, just getting to see um, kind of like learning about something like from an anthropological perspective and like kind of distilling the essence of that into like a game form. Yeah. I mean, Damon, it's kind of funny that um, we're talking about doing the art on the game, but really what came out of it was a kind of more anthropological cultural learning. Yeah. And that's kind of the point. Yeah. That's, uh, that's one of the, 
the cool things about the program is that the students are not just building games, but they're also learning about culture. They're learning about, you know, that's the, where the socio-emotional piece that David was bringing up comes in. Yeah. Camila, what do you think you're going to do with all this training? Are you going to go, I mean, you know, you've got one year left. So are you planning on like applying to electronic arts and like Activision Blizzard and going down that road or, or no? Uh, I'm honestly also deciding that as well. I've had conversations about this with like Damon. Um, kind of still torn. I do see myself uh, kind of working in games. I do have a passion for film as you know, I am a film major and I do work within like the virtual production department at GameHeads. So I'm kind of a bit torn right now, but I do uh, see myself kind of working at somewhere like ILM, for example, which is kind of like a happy medium of both where it's like interactive, but also kind of like virtual production or film based. Yeah. What kind of guidance would you give to other students, you know, who might be interested in game design or, or game heads specifically? Um, I definitely say like, don't be scared to like, this is kind of like a model we have at game heads, but it's like, don't be scared to like mess up or like to fail. Like it's always like, game heads is kind of like the place where it's like, you're here to like mess up and like learn from those experiences. So like, don't be scared to like screw up and like, <laughs> Kind of like, because like I'm just thinking of my first game and it was like a total like mess. So it's like don't be scared <laughs> to like mess up and like go forward from those experiences. Yeah. Uh, Camila, before we let you go back to classes, um, yeah. <laughs> tell me about one game that you've seen or played where you kind of learned something about about the world that you didn't know, or learned something about yourself you didn't know. Oh gosh. Uh... So I've recently been playing, um, so I have younger siblings, so like I try to play games that are where we can all be involved. Mm. Um, we were playing um, It Takes Two, which is a co-op game, mm. and uh, I've never played like a game like that with the both of them. It's usually like single player and we like taking turns going at it. And I, I was like, I really heard these moments like playing this game. I was like, I have very little patience, but it's like really interesting, like getting to communicate in like in that collaborative manner just to like get to like the end goal yeah yeah um thank you so much camila garcia frausto is a student at uc berkeley a fourth year student, also has been a longtime participant in game heads thank you so much for joining us this morning camila yeah thank you we would love to hear from you is there a video game that's taught you something about you know the the real world the world outside of video games you can give us a call the number is 866-733-6786 you can email forum at kqed.org you can find us on twitter on instagram on threads we're kqed forum um, we also have a discord if you don't know how to join that go to kqed.org uh, slash forum so one listener um, in Oakland writes in, and Damon, this uh, is going to come to you first. Um, the thing about the industry that bugs me the most is that every place I've worked made games centered around characters of color, but none of the dialogue written for those characters was ever written by someone who wasn't a white male. Some of those people I knew personally, and they knew they could come down the hall and ask how something sounded, I'm black, and they never did. <laughs> what do you think? I think I've heard that story told several times before. <laughs> when I first started doing this, I remember somebody told me, he, he said, uh, uh, one of two. And I said, what is that? He's like, every black person in the video game industry knows that in whatever department you're in, you're probably one of two black people there. And I was like, are you serious? And he was like, yeah. And I, that was when I was, I was uh, 
I was writing and people would tell me that off the record, of course. And then, of course, when I started doing game heads, I kept hearing more and more people tell me that. So, yes, that is, in fact, unfortunately true, but not just for black folks. That's that's true for a lot of diverse folks. Yeah. But you said something interesting to me, David, here, uh, Damon, when we were doing our interview, um, you weighed in on the diversity challenge that the game, video game industry has. But then you said something provocative. You said solving the video game diversity problem is not your problem. What mm-hmm. did you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, you know, the diversity problem, <clears throat> I think the, the thing that I often hear from a lot of people that work in the industry is, you know, it's it's really unfair. And I've I've noticed this. That a lot of folks that work in diversity in the industry, that's not their primary job. Their primary job is something else. And then they do the diversity stuff on the side and they don't really get paid extra for it. So there's a lot of, you know, pride in doing that, but also a lot of resentment at the same time. Mm. Um, One thing that I've told people is, I'm, you know, that when I speak to companies, is I'm like, look, you know, word is out on you guys. You know what I mean? And the demographics of game players are changing. And there's enough people now, celebrities and what have you, that have money to invest in video game companies. So, you know, it's like the video game industry has to make a decision. Do you guys want to start getting this right? Or do you want to start seeing other companies that are made by diverse people or with diverse people in mind prop up? And start stealing your thunder a little bit because I think that that's kind of coming. Hmm. You know, it's interesting you say that, um, and I'm glad you brought that up, David, because you know some organizations, like I'm thinking, um, you know, I used to, for those who don't know, I used to cover technology industry also. Um, you know, Code 2040, for example, mm. seemed to have um, a different approach. They kind of thought, look, okay, we have we're developing a, a cohort of students on this side, but we also need to be doing the DEI work inside, you know, these these companies on the on the other side. You feel like that that approach is maybe like not student focused enough. I mean, not to not to like say code 2040 is wrong, but for your particular um, uh, organization, you want to focus on the students. Yeah. Yeah. I I know code 2040 very well. I know the uh, founder. Um, So I know exactly what they do. And and hats off to them. I I speak been some time uh you know within corporate talking to people but you know my thing is if this is going to change then that means that your employees coming in have to change it it has to change from the ground up there's just way too many established individuals in the industry and this is just kind of the way they do things and we've seen that in all kinds of industries i'm i'm not even hating on it uh it's just that you know if you expect a culture to change i think that it has to change from the roots. So my my thing is I, I focus on the roots. Hmm. Let's bring in a caller here. Let's go to uh, Rick in uh, Citrus Heights. Yes. Um, I have played video games. Uh, when I had sight, I played a lot of video games. The ones that taught me the most were self-defense skills. Mm-hmm. And also, um, I do have one question. What about including people that who are disabled and all including blindness into the video game realm, because now we have accessible gaming for people with disabilities, including blindness. And by the way, for viewers in the Bay area, I am a patient at uh, Stanford uh, ophthalmology as well as the UCSF departments of neurological surgery and ophthalmology. Thank you. Great. Hey, thank you so much, Rick. Really appreciate that. Damon. 
Yeah, that's that's actually been um, a growing sort of area in game design, which I think is really cool. Uh, Xbox is doing a great job of that. Um, Camila, who uh, was just here earlier, is working on a project with the California 100 Commission right now. And that's been a conversation that we've been having with CA 100 and UC Berkeley around accessibility. Uh, so that's something that we actually just started diving a little bit more in. Um, Casey is another person who's over at Xbox Pub, former student of ours who kind of came in with some of those interests around building games for um, uh, disabled folks. So that's uh, that's definitely a growing area of game design, which I think you know has been um, something that people have been asking about for a while, but I think it's starting to become really exciting right now. David, you know, as we think about these different kind of dimensions of diversity, I mean, we've heard a lot about the tech sector generally uh, having, you know, uh, being underrepresented, um, you know, that black and brown people within these industries are underrepresented. Do you think there's something specific about gaming or do you think it's a general uh, a problem, you know, just a, a subset of the problems of the tech industry? Well, from our general coverage, and I'm sure, Alexis, you saw this when in your with your tech coverage hat on yourself, that it's it's a symptom of, of, of a wider issue uh, throughout probably not just tech, probably throughout uh, virtually every industry. Um, but it's um, it, it strikes me that the video game industry really needs to get a handle on this because of the demographics of the players. <laughs> I don't know what if uh, a listener right now is thinking. Who plays video games? You're probably thinking it's a younger person in their 20s and 30s, um, middle class. It turns out it's very diverse and new players coming online, people of color over-index as teenagers and being fascinated. So if the games are going to appeal to that demographic, it would be nice to have people creating them from the demographic. We're talking about opportunities in the video game industry with David Brancaccio, host and senior editor of the Marketplace Morning Report, which has a new series called Skin in the Game that you can find. We're also joined by Damon Packwood, founder and executive director of GameHeads, an Oakland-based video game training program for young people. Earlier in this segment, we were joined by Camila Garcia Frausto, who's a student with GameHeads and also a student at UC Berkeley. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. 
I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about opportunities in the video game industry. Joined by Damon Packwood, founder and executive director of GameHeads, Oakland-based video game training program, and David Brancaccio, host and senior editor of the Marketplace Morning Report. They've got a new series called Skin in the Game that's out. We'd love to hear from you. I mean, is there a video game that's taught you something about the real world? Maybe even one you developed. You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. The email is forum at kqed.org, and we're KQED Forum on all of the social things. Um, David, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about you know, this broader non-consumer impact of video games in society. I mean, I think people may have some sense of video games as uh, being first-person shooters and like Madden football. Um, how are you, as you're doing this reporting, trying to look at the different ways that video games affect our culture. Yeah, I mean, all systems have assumptions. Uh, Engineers call them biases. Uh, And the weird thing is when you talk to an engineer about a bias, they don't mean a negative thing. They mean (laughs) can't include everything. The finger's on the scale for some things, and that's a bias. Big, you know, right, a big uh, part of the artificial intelligence discussion right now. So when you build a virtual world inside, you know, a multiplayer, massive multiplayer video game, there are biases built in. It would be nice to know what some of those are and who got to decide what they were. I mean, are they promoting market-based economics um, and not promoting other things? And so one of the surprises for me as I jumped into all this is, look, we know that there is a terrible um, current of misogyny among game players. It's a real problem, and the video game industry recognizes it. Um, But here's the one that I didn't expect. In a lot of uh, virtual worlds, there's a lot more altruism, people supporting one another, lending a hand, helping to build the other woman or the other guy's uh, virtual contraption than economists ever expected. And real economists who just study the real world outside video games didn't expect that. Mm. So uh, more general economists are learning from these Mm. virtual worlds, almost as as if they're test beds. Another really interesting example is, I didn't quite know this. We all talk about, uh, you know, social media influencers. Mm -hmm. Actually, the real influences in your life, research shows, as a team at USC that studies this, are 20 to 25 percent of your friends and family. Mm. They're the ones, Alexis, right, who recommend which Mm -hmm. car you should buy. You know who they are in your family. Mm -hmm. And um, they're really influential. This 25 percent. So, uh... This team at USC worked with a video game company based in Cyprus that does World of Tanks. <laughs> this is where you build <laughs> cool mm-hmm. tanks and have these virtual battles. No one actually gets hurt. Kind of what it says on the tin, I guess. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's very straightforward. <laughs> and, um, and sure enough, they found the same 20 to 25 percent of influencers within the social connections within the game that help determine whether you'll buy this or that. So it's uh, so it's a really interesting test platform. You know, video game companies aren't always fully ready to acknowledge that. They don't want to, their players to feel like they're uh, guinea pigs for uh, economists. But um, the, the virtual worlds, just like AI, AI reflects biases in the real world. The virtual environments that you may play in also reflect the real world. 
And that's a really interesting catalyst for a conversation about is this the world that we want? Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, it's been uh, a really rich area to jump into. Oh, that's great. Um, let's bring in another caller here. Let's go to uh, Michael in San Francisco. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Hey, thanks for calling. Uh, yeah, so I was just uh, going to add some commentary as far as um, uh, my perspective. Uh, I'm indigenous. I'm uh, Chiricahua, Apache, and uh, Anglo, half and half. And uh, I play a lot of video games. I mean, I played video games by, you know, ever since I was a young man, from like Super Nintendo to um, current gen uh, consoles. And uh, something that is relevant to this that I experience is that... Um, couple of the newest Call of Duty games, uh, the first iteration, Modern Warfare, um, of their newest versions of that uh, game, they had a uh, First Nations character that you could play as um, in the multiplayer part of the game. Um, uh, his name was Talon, and he was uh, a pretty cool character. They kind of, um, some of the skins, like the way that you could dress him up and stuff, were a little bit uh, like stereotypical, you know, like someone just kind of Googled, like, what would a First Station oh, person look like? You know, <laughs> yeah. well, it wasn't, no, it's not stereotypical in the sense where it was, like, offensive. It was just, like, not very creative. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a, a more, and not very Yeah, not like feeling. a rich so representation just, you know. of the culture. <clears throat> right. Well, it's like, I, I mean, for me, it was actually more like uh, the outfits that they gave him that were, like, not tactical, like, uh, for me, I was like, uh, I mean, indigenous warrior would want to be as tactical as possible and hold himself <laughs> as a coyote. And, you know, so like I came at it from a different perspective where I was like, this this person would be the most tactical they could possibly be because they want to be the best warrior that they could possibly be. Um, and I think that's something that they, you know, so, someone that doesn't have my perspective would miss. Yeah. Um, my, and then my... unfortunately, oh, what? Oh, oh, just let me add one more thing. And yeah, then, sure. unfortunately, they actually dropped this character in their newest version mm-hmm. of that game. So now that character doesn't even exist anymore, and there's no indigenous character that someone like me could select to play mm-hmm. the newest version of the game. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you about. I mean, I wanted to ask you about the ability to have that character to select. Like, is that is that meaningful for you to have that character, even if it's, you know, the, the character well, yeah. is an imperfect representation I, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't even mind the imperfect representation because what I did was I would just select that character and then I would select the most tactical-looking outfit because that's what I like to do when I'm playing this game. And then it what added to it, too, is that my uh, screen name, you know, my username that I went by, I went by my indigenous name. I went by Red Horse. So my character would be Michael Red Horse, and people would ask me, yo, are you indigenous? And I'm like, yeah, and that's why I have that name, and that's why I select this character. So it really would build like a lot of interesting connections with some people. Like um, people would be interested, and then like in the pregame lobbies or postgame lobbies, like random people would ask me questions about things, and it created it kind of huh. created a sense of community and dialogue that I could build off of. You know? Yeah. Um, hey, Michael, thank you so much for this call. <laughs> I think this has been like pretty revealing for for people, and and, and just like really kind of in in interesting experience of the kind of in world. Uh, diversity and how how it actually plays out. I mean, Damon, I I wonder from from your perspective, how do you see the represent like in game representation as uh, as something that should be there, especially given the commentary that we heard earlier that it may again be imperfect because of who is making the games. Yeah, I mean, you know that that 
that caller brings up something that's always sort of bittersweet, right? It's nice to see representation, but then the representation is limited. So, you know, obviously people are hungry for it. I mean, just like we were hungry for, you know, when Black Panther came out, we were just like, oh my God, how many people have had, you know, fantasies of like, you know, black sci-fi. So, you know, people are, are desperate, thirsty for these type of characters in video games. Uh, and so when we get them, it's great. But unfortunately, they're, mm-hmm. the, the limitations on them um, are small. And then, you know, to his point, they, they may not come back. And if they don't come back, they don't grow. Mm-hmm. You know, like how many iterations of Mario have we had? <laughs> Can we get more iterations of Talon, right? You know, yeah. in five years from now, he might be the best character ever. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, these things kind of come and go. Yeah. You know, uh, David Brancaccio, we've got a couple of listener comments that are kind of about what this industry is like. And I wanted to, to ask him, just going to read them to you first. Michael tweets, how good are these jobs? Some 18 to 20 years ago, the story broke that specifically at Electronic Arts, at, quote, crunch time, people were expected to work 13 hours a day, seven days a week, without even being paid overtime. John over on our Discord writes, I've worked in the game industry for several years. One thing that bugs me about this industry is that employers tend to think they can undercut and squeeze their staff because, quote, it's a dream job. You get paid to play games. This type of culture exists in many industries and should be called out, especially in an industry that's apparently bigger than movies, books, sports, TV, etc. You know, we did a story. You may have heard it on the radio on my show the other day. I laugh just to stop myself from crying. It it was a a survey. It was actual. It was data on, on real companies. Companies that said they had a social mission, in other words, we're a company that does good in the world, pay less than equivalent companies that don't make pronouncements about them doing good in the world. So that connects to you know this question about, hey, uh, video games is a really awesome thing to, 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 to be involved with. You should pay us <laughs> for, right. yeah, exactly. for your participation. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a giant issue. I mean, I, I don't want to, uh, Damon can pick up on this, but if you're talking uh, about public school students from the East Bay, where uh, with sometimes much too limited economic opportunity, um, and if you can prepare those students for the better half of those tech jobs, you know, the ones better than others, uh, it seems like you've done something. But, you know, the, um, the notion of, you know, sweatshops in any industry is is a giant wider societal discussion uh, what and I think you know one of the great lessons coming out of the pandemic is uh, <laughs> one of the prime stories we've been covering is millions of people said we don't work that way anymore mm-hmm. it's going to work in a different way mm-hmm. and we're going to uh, use the uh, tight labor market to reposition power relationships and maybe things would change. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's um, there are jobs that were must be wonderful, and there must be, and there yeah. we hear stories of of jobs that are grinds. Mm-hmm. So, Damon, let me ask you this: like, how do you measure progress then, if it's not just to get people into the seats? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I I'm I know it sounds like a cliche, but one of our our biggest goals at Game Heads is we want our students to be happy, right? So if if that means that a, a young person is going to be a teacher, right? David brought up Rogelio, who wants to teach, then great. If that means that uh, somebody like Cam uh, wants to be in film or wants to be in visual effects, great. And if somebody wants to work in a gaming industry 
or the tech industry, that's that's cool as well. I think too often what I've found, and I'm born and raised in San Francisco, is that you see people who have careers and or they don't have careers and they're just not happy and or they can't live in the Bay Area because it's too expensive. So, I mean, you know, David brings up a good point. This conversation around, you know, unfair workspaces is a is a completely different show. And you'll see that <laughs> in several different industries. Um, but the bottom line is I know people who are janitors and they have the very same experience. They work really hard. They mm-hmm. get treated like crap. And I'm like, all right, well, are you going to work really hard and get treated like crap as a janitor? Or are you going to work, work really hard and get treated like crap in the tech industry where you can start working on product that's changing the world? I think I would rather work with that group um, because they're working on product that's changing the world. Uh, so that's that's the kind of decision that I've made in terms of like job yeah. development. Another listener uh, on our Discord writes in to say, as an older woman of color gamer, I play games that help my anxiety and depression. Mm. A current game I play, Sky, Children of Light, mm. has avatars and design that reminds me of Scandinavian mythology. I take notice when cosmetics incorporate other backgrounds. For example, you can trade up to a hairstyle with different textures, including an afro that looks spectacular when flying through the air. These little details ground me and remind me that I can come back to real life after my time mm. online. That's amazing. We had a uh, talk in our series to Martha Martin, who's uh, a fascinating woman from the East Bay who out of high school did uh, a stint in the Air Force. And then because her sister nudged her, she got into game heads. And one of her f- first games was about the wider culture nibbling away, taking away from her own identity. Mm. And so, you know, when you play, often you play games as a, a, a health status bar, as the things, mm-hmm. you know, attack you and you and you get damaged. Um, in her uh, versions of her first game, I think they were, yep. um, it was... Um, uh, uh, an emotional health bar, uh, as 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 you get as your as your anxiety gets added to, and your sense of self gets whittled away. So I mean, it's amazing how these games yeah. can help people explore these complex issues. Yeah, you know, Damon, you've got an event coming up this weekend, right? A student showcase. Um, yes. Can you tell tell us a little bit about it in case you know people's appetites have been whetted and they want to go see some of these things themselves. Yeah, so every year we do our Gamehead Student Showcase. Uh, we're going to be doing that this Saturday, August 26th from 3 to 7 p.m. We do a big block party. So we'll have food trucks. We'll have two bands, Afterthought and Black Excellence. Uh, but also our students are going to showcase their projects. Um, they've spent the, the past 15 weeks working on their games. We'll have about 17 to 19 games uh, being showcased. Uh, it's a free event. Uh, you should be able to find us on uh, We Are Game Heads on our Facebook page or our uh, Twitter page to RSVP. Please don't just roll up. <laughs> RSVP. <laughs> this is Oakland. If you're not on a list, we're not letting you in. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's a great opportunity to, to see the, the future of the industry and see these wonderful game ideas that we've been talking about That's today. Cool. You know, Alexis, uh, Game Heads is, is rare. Uh, it's not in every city. It's it's here. Is it any other other place? We are in Oakland. We have students in 17 different states, but we are currently working on expansion into Atlanta mm. uh, and Honolulu. As a matter of fact, our students 
uh, in uh, Hawaii will be visiting us. They fly in tomorrow. So we wow. have our first Hawaiian folkloric game that will be showcased tomorrow based on the Night Marchers, which I'm really excited about. Um, David Brancaccio, I'm sure you've encountered this in starting the Skin in the Game series, but one of our listeners, Heidi, writes in to say, please address video game addiction in young boys. We're dealing with a 12-year-old boy who's stunningly addicted to video games. I can imagine that parent saying, you know, maybe I don't want them to get more involved in, in game development. How would you how would you answer, Heidi? Yeah, listen, I mean, this is what? All these screens are one of the greatest uh, psychological experiments ever practiced on the entire population, <laughs> not knowing what the effects would be. What could go be. wrong? <laughs> and, you know, it really, and there's some brand new data I was just reading the other day about screen exposure in young, young kids mm. uh, delaying development. Uh, it's, there, there's, uh, it's, and then you have the issue of addiction. Um, and, you know, there are companies that spend a lot of time trying to figure out how you will be uh, – how s- sticky they can make their systems. And mm-hmm. it's certainly not just games. It's also social media and other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's a huge issue. And, uh, you know, we just got lucky with our three kids who are now adults that just didn't mm-hmm. – just a little ahead of the curve. And we didn't have those particular, uh, particular issues. But I, I do want to say if you can't enroll in Game Heads, I can't really even offer you half of that experience. But if there's someone in your life that instead of be, being – wants to graduate from being game player to game maker uh, on YouTube, <laughs> having just <laughs> talked about social media, our handle is Marketplace APM. Okay, and then you do skin in the game. There are three films that uh, my colleague Kelly Silvera has produced. I'm in them, uh, looking a little out of place, but I had a great time with it. Not out of place at all. And you know what they are? These three films is if you could hang out at Game Heads for four rich days and meet all these great people and touch on the ideas of what's it like, what do you do, how would it work? So yeah. that's um, that's our recommendation cool. if you had some extra time after you've browsed kqed.org for several <laughs> hours. <laughs> of course, just that's how user behavior works. Uh, we have been talking about opportunities to bring more Bay Area youth into the video game industry with David Brancaccio, host and senior editor of Marketplace Morning Report. Thanks so much for joining us, David. My pleasure. We've also been joined by Damon Packwood, founder and executive director of GameHeads, an Oakland-based video game training program. Thanks so much, Damon. Thanks for having me. Earlier, we were joined by Camila Garcia-Frausto, a student at GameHeads and a student at UC Berkeley. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.